Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. Non pure Scott. Culture has a different flavor, a different seasoning, a different thing that they bring to the table. And I I love that, you know, you're pushing for diversity. Yeah, I, I always talk about this and, and no disrespect to any of my friends' mothers out there if you see this, but when I'd go to their house, they'd always want to make spaghetti when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> they profiled you? Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to make me feel comfortable, I think, you know? Oh. And, uh, but I was always like, you know, there's like a lot of different ethnicities around, you know, I don't care if it's Irish or there's a lot of Croatians in Cleveland. I had friends that were, you know, Slovenian and you, you name it, like within the white European stuff. And then all my black friends. And it was like, you know, cook what your shit is. You know, like I always wanted to try these things. I don't want Croatian spaghetti. Yeah. You know, nobody wants Croatian right. spaghetti. You know? Please make me Croatian food. That's like going to uh pizza hut and asking for sushi. Right. You know, they're going to fuck it up. Yeah. Right. They're trying to help you. It's a lose lose. Yeah. I want to try cuisine from other places. So I'm with you, man. It was out of a place of love and they just wanted me to feel comfortable and, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, like, you know, sometimes it was good, but that, you know, I ate pasta probably six nights a week growing up. My mom and my grandma would make sauce in huge vats and freeze it in different size containers. It's cheap. And yeah. It's cheap. Five bucks. For and it lasts forever. 99 cent boxes of pasta every night. Tasted good. And uh, it was as cheap as you could get. And so it was that. And then, you know, we every now and then we'd go out, but never ate fast food. Hardly ever. It was a treat. And, uh, you know, right. crazy enough because it was probably more expensive than the shit we were eating. You know? Exactly. Way more expensive because yeah. you I remember getting the generic boxes of mac and cheese with the powder in it. Or do we shopped at, at something called the Denton Bent? Right. I don't know if you had it this way, but the Denton Bent was a store or a warehouse thing yeah. where they would take all the food from the grocery stores that were banged up, no labels or whatever, and they dump them in these just giant boxes. And you'd be like, this is beefaroni. Yeah. This is green beans. <laughs> and every fucking time they'd have like a big old box of them and you'd go up there and it, they wouldn't have labels on them or they're, they're the only ones left in the bottom of it would be no labels, but it says, it's spaghettios and meatballs yeah, it's and you're really excited <laughs> nope 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 don't ever believe the non-labeled can because yeah. every time you get home and open that bitch it's beets yeah it's asparagus yeah, it's, it's some other nasty <laughs> like it's the stuff that people give out for like food drives from the back of their pantry yeah that's the shit that there's in there yeah i've, I've definitely been down that road with the stouffer's factory in cleveland and all the, the, you know, the microwave meals. And it was the same thing. Mislabeled boxes, half full. They were like a quarter. You know, anybody in Cleveland in the 80s probably had a freezer full of 99 cent quarters. That sounds amazing. Yeah, those are a little mystery too. Is it going to be full? Is it going to be half full? Is it really going to be mac and cheese? So we had to stick to <laughs> like, it's like a, It's like half chicken a la king and half yeah, mac and like, cheese. This might not be one. Mom's looking out. Who's that one? You could probably relate to this then. Did you have to shop at like the uh, the outlet stores? 
where back then they weren't like the place you went to get cheap prices. They were the place that you went to get and try to find the one item on the rack that didn't have the most imperfections in it from whatever it came yeah, from. Yeah, we had, I forget the name of them, but we had those. And it would just be like, no zipper on the pants. <laughs> the button things didn't line up. The one sleeve this long and one's this long. <laughs> yes. We had a, we had a, bugle boy outlet where i lived <laughs> i swear to god dude everything you pulled out of those shelves they were like there was like a zipper where the pocket was supposed to be and my mom would be like jerking on my pockets <laughs> to like turn the pants it's fine it's not that far off this is all you can get and i'm like but mm-hmm. ma, it looks like i'm i could grab my junk through the pocket hole in the front underwear it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> poor kid problems yeah, that, that, it's good stories builds character you know it's, it does build character if, if you could have everything you want all your life then that becomes a problem i work with people like that you know that want everything and, and they don't really realize how oh, a budget works that much and you're like hey like i want everything too but at the end of the day like you're only giving me this amount of money I can't give you this amount of product for this amount of money. We can get as close as we can and do the best we can and, and, and do what we can. But at the end of the day, you want something that, you know, they always give examples of 10 million, 20, 30, $40 million shows on TV and give you $86 and say, oh, we make it look like this. I'm like, no, nope. we can't. <laughs> yeah. for four I got some sock puppets, asshole. That's what you're getting. <laughs> you get that. And when it's your own projects, like that's the cool part. Cause that's the challenge is to make it look like that for the $86. See, I kind of like that. I feel like there's some fun in making the cutting out that big budget to get something that's just as badass, if not better. Yeah. You know, for one thing, when, when you're uh, doing a guerrilla style, you don't have to follow all the rules. So permits and, and everything and insurance and workman's comp and all the overhead that comes with the big production. You know, if it's you and your guy that's the camera and you guys just pop up somewhere and shoot something. And depending on where you plan on delivering that, it's a it's a whole red tape and bureaucracy takes up half, if not more, right off the top before you even start trying to figure out how you're going to make something. That's a great point, man. The way that I feel like uh, you can film anything anywhere now. I actually the generation before us or even before or after millennials, they're like fucking combat correspondents. Everything that happens. Like I remember when shit hit the fan back in the day when you were kids, as long as it wasn't a fight, everybody scattered, right? That was the, that was the thing that you did when something happened. These fuckers all go straight to the pockets and bring up their phones and record it. Tornado coming at them. Yeah. Tornadoes. (laughs) They're just standing there like we're all for a all for a million likes on fucking TikTok. Yeah, if that existed when I was growing up, you would have never met me because I would have been somewhere else. Not as good. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. No, no. I wish I had more pictures of me as, as a kid with my friends. because I had a lot of family stuff, but nothing with my friends. But for the most part, we were up to no good. So it's probably good. It doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. If there would have been if there would have been phones, you know, or you know, camera phones during like the heyday. No way. No way. I would have been in so much trouble. I thank God we uh, avoided that. Th- things are much different now with, you know, it's good and bad with everything being recorded. You know, it's, uh, you know, you're able to dissect things and take things out of context and, 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 you know, force people to act on every little tiny thing when, you know, people didn't used to sweat the small shit. It was 
you know, but now it's like, boom, here it is. And if you don't do something, we're going to put it all over the place and, and try to, you that's know, that, that's that onus on creators. If you're going to create things, you can't be creating things to, you know, manipulate the mind or manipulate, you know, how people live their lives because we have to, we have to really, really, really be careful with how we roll out media and information, not just to the younger generations, but to our elders, because our elders don't have the same platform with which to interpret from. And we got to respect that and not be, I understand why it's being done. That's the deepest pocket. It's the largest 401k. But at the end of the day, it's predatory as fuck because these people don't know what the hell they're seeing. They have no clue. Yeah. yeah, You know, and it's, you know, I know you don't like to get too political and neither do I, but no, and you don't even have to on both sides. Like it's, who, who are we selling the ad space to? What demographic are we trying to hit? What do they want to hear? We'll just pump it at them 24 hours a day, left, right, whatever. And it's just like, boom, it's going to be how, you know, yeah, they're mapping your mind. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all, it's all done on purpose, you know, catch attention, keep attention. And, and the, you know, and the, and the amount of time they spend showing each story and, and what the ticker does and, and the narrative they're both trying to push and, and who's, you know, it's all, but you're right, you know, older people that watch the same news channel every single day for their whole life for 10, 12, 15 years in a row, and they stare at it every day for hour or two or whatever, and that's where they get all of their information. You know, it's, it's going to be really hard for you to tell them something else is going on out there. Suddenly you hand them a smartphone for the, because you understand, especially when you grow up without money, so you don't have the computer first. Right. You don't get the computer first. You go straight to phone because that is a luxury to have a computer in your home when you didn't have money then. Right. So these people went straight, they went from zero to a hundred miles an hour and they went from a picture is worth a thousand words to now everything's a lie. And they can't interpret between the two. Photoshop is not something they can comprehend. No, not at all. And, you know, the echo chambers that everybody are in and then their Facebook, especially, you know, luckily I have friends from all over the place and, and that, that applies to online too. But, you know, like my mother or cousins or people that have never left a certain area, like most of their friends and family are from that area. And for good or for bad, like that's the information they're seeing every day. Um, so, you know, if you're from the bottom of Alabama and all your friends or family are there, and if you're from San Francisco and all your friends or family are there, like you're only going to be seeing half the story really, if that's your reality, right? That's your reality. If you come from, see, I'm going to, I'm going to show you three, three channels. I used to be the kid that got told to go outside and turn the antenna so you could get the second or third one. Right. Doesn't that suck? (laughs) You remember that? Yeah. I mean, it's when I, uh, right before Trump got elected and, um, I was, uh, location scouting in Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, Oklahoma, oh. Southern Ohio, and North Texas. Um, and you know, I was it was just me and this other kid, Cameron. He's a he was the president of the Young Republicans Club at OU at the time. And I'm a pretty liberal guy, so we had some healthy debates. But we we're in all these places that were very, very red, very red. And you know, my friends from California and everything, obviously in a more liberal spot, were. Hillary's going to win like 0% chance. Like it's, it's, it's done and done and done, you know, whatever the case is going to be, you know, and I'm like, I don't think so. And they're like, thought I was wrong. And I'm like, I'm seeing something you're not maybe, you know, but I'm seeing like a lot of very motivated people signs everywhere. Like, you know, and it was, it was all through like October, like going right into the election. I got home two days before, 
you know, the election. Back to Oklahoma where I was working permanently. So all the information was one thing. It was a, it was a very, very, very massive manipulation of minds. And, you know, I, again, not a politics show. So if we were to look at this, you could you could do this with any advertisement, any rollout of any piece of technology. Apple does this once a year with a, you know, it's it's a ability to it's kind of like when you're getting hypnotized, right? And they put the little watch up there, the old school, and it goes back and forth. But what people don't see is you're catching a right hook right. from the opposite side while you're staring at that stupid watch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole game. It's, it's meant to be that way. It's like advertisers, whatever I'm trying to sell, however I'm trying to get you, whether it's a viewer or to buy my shirt or to buy this, that, or the other thing, it's all... You know, what's not a manipulation. I mean, if you get down to it, what's not, Yeah. I mean, everything that we do has no actual payoff anyway. We are the ones that set what success or what, you know, is what we can monetize and whether that, you know, money is something that's meaningful to us or whatever it might be. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just toiling for time, right? you know, or maybe just hanging out. So we don't have that great conversation about why do we die? I mean, that's the, that's the end all be all to it. So it's just a matter of whether or not you do something constructive. Right. You know, I mean, some people are okay with working for the weekend. And then if you're able to really enjoy those weekends and spend that time well, and, and like, I, I, you know, I don't think that's a bad way to live either. It's the people that work for the weekend and then go to the second job all weekend and start over and they do that forever and they, they can never you know, and maybe they got a little bit of scratch left to get a trailer when they're 65 and hit the Grand Canyon once, you know, or, or, you know, make it down to Florida. You know, it's like, that's not what I'm trying to do. And, and I've been blessed to be in a position and, and get into a business in which I could excel enough that, that, you know, that's not what I'm going to end up like. Hopefully, um, I'm able to now. No, I sincerely doubt but, that. But the work's an addiction too. So it's a problem. So right, right now I'm trying to take the time off and enjoy the now as opposed to, you know, like really go hard and then like have this early retirement. I'll never retire because I do enjoy this a lot. So, you know, you never know. Well, they see, you know, do what you love. So it's not work. Right. So, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, how, how can you not love what you're doing? I mean, you're, 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 Dude, your resume says everything that every every young man would want to, you know, would wanted to have done coming up. You got to work in all these areas in all these different with these great, great, you know, companies at the UFC, Playboy. Oh, man, you worked you worked with Playboy. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I've, I've been pretty lucky, um, for sure. I have you know, a million friends in this business that end up working on a lot of shows they really hate, like the bachelor or dating show, stuff they're just not into. And uh, they're fun and creative and, and they're good shows to work on, but it's not something that you love or that's you know super interesting. And, you know, I've uh, I followed the DA around in Newark and Detroit, you know, going on full raids and everything for a year. And I've worked in Malibu at, you know, a mansion, Playboy Mansion, you know, for some time. And, you know, I've, I've had some shit jobs too mixed in. Don't get me wrong. Or they're just like, oh, I just watching the clock and especially post-production jobs. Anything in an office, like, it's the worst thing for me. I've, I've been offered huge promotions and a lot of money and, and I'm like, I got to like in an office, like, but no, not going to do that. I just, I can't do that. That's death to me. Like I've never been able to sit still. Kudos to you for recognizing that because that's uh that's a huge, 
that's bait, man. That's bait for the machine. And they don't tell you, you will sell your soul if you land in that machine. You'll think you'll, your definition will be success to, according to society, but nobody tells you, man, those middle-aged homes are held together with fucking duct tape and string and everything in between because they're not happy in there. Yeah. Because you have to toil just to fucking put a picture on your I wall. wouldn't do good at yeah. that anyways. You know, the faith that people had in me to take on a role like that, I know, I just know myself. And I've been really good at it at the beginning when I was just fighting it. And eventually it would just, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not me. I like to be out and doing things and meeting people and making things and being in the shit. And, you know, no matter how, you know, big I get, I'm carrying the gear and I'm carrying the case. I'm setting up shit. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the team. Um, sometimes I can't because I have to do, you know, quote unquote suit stuff. I have one suit. I have no idea where it's at, by the way. And, uh, it's, a. Uh, it's I, I don't I don't blame you. Suits suits are the stupidest construct that humans could have ever created. What in the fuck is that for? Yeah. Does it accomplish anything in any situation? No, and I'll, I'll tell you a funny thing about this whole pandemic and the Zoom shit too. When it first started, we started doing these Zooms. I would sit on this is my couch and I would have a nice button up shirt on. And so it's like for <laughs> right? the other guys, fucking ridiculous. No pants on, button up shirt. You know? Uh, no. And uh you were porky pig in it? Yeah, like, like, you know, but uh, we were, it was ridiculous, you know, and uh, it, it slowly, you know, I was mostly dealing with a lot of ESPN guys, and these are sports dudes, but that have rose to, rose to a very high level in production and everything. And little by little, went from like, you know, kind of a dress shirt to a three button to an Under Armour hoodie, a t shirt to, you know, a couple months in, and we're just sitting like this and just regular t shirts, like, everybody had like their framed up shot and like their books in the background or like we're in my office all of a sudden they're in their kitchen and their kids are running back from lacrosse practice <laughs> yep you know i'm like in my car like i hear the baby i i hear the baby scott you want to just call me back in about 10 yeah, minutes dogs everywhere you know like oh, let me see your dog you know and, and from like so serious what are we going to do and what the fuck and we got to like still be like professional to hey we could be professional in a t-shirt like it's ridiculous to go to my room right now and put on a shirt to stare at a tv you know, it's like, it's fucking so stupid. Yeah, a couple times you're like, what are we doing? Like, we look like idiots. Um, it it you is, know? but humans, it's hard for humans to break habits. It, it is, you know, and, and it sucks because on conference calls, I used to be able to do a lot of work, you know, because it's like 10 people and doesn't all pertain to you. And I'm emailing and, and I'm doing these things. And now you got to stare at me the whole time. And then, like, we'll get off a of Zoom, and then I'll get, like, an email, like, hey, were you able to do A, B, and C? I'm like, you were looking at me for the last two hours. When would I have done that? <laughs> you know, you don't, you know. So. You forced me to be on camera, yeah, so exactly. there you go. Now I've taken conference calls from places I will not even tell you. But now it's like, you know, I would, you know, even, like, look down on my phone. Like, I feel like I'm being rude, but, like, it's something that's for you that I'm trying to get done. And, you know, and it's like. Like navigating that whole thing has changed. There's etiquette in that. It's super weird. But I will tell you, I would not want to be the guy in the corporate world because there is a group of HR people out there right now that are all looking at these office buildings, right? That their companies are paying all this money for. These companies want their people to go use this this real estate because they paid for it. And they're going to convince they're going to try to convince all of America that they need to take off their sweatpants and go back to the office just so they can be looked at or they can see each other. Oh, that ain't going to be fun. I think it'll be 50-50 because you know, real estate's booming right now and if I'm a, in in business owner and I could sell that 
piece of property for a shit ton of profit right now. And, That's a good point. And, you know, there, it sucks because a lot of jobs will be lost, but the maintenance guy and the guy that cuts the grass and the lady in the cafeteria and, and you know, all these people that just kind of keep the ship going, you, you know, all of a sudden everybody, you know, if they're working at call centers or customer service or whatever the case may be, you know, my brother's accountant, like he doesn't have to go back. He's he home. Four of his guys on the Zoom and they're just accounting all day. They're in different cubicles all day. <laughs> anyway. I like, I like that. What <laughs> he, he, I know it's accounting, but it sounds funny when it's used as a verb for yeah. someone's entire thing that they're doing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just imagine all of them sitting together, you know, just hammering on calculators. It's pretty much. And then they have like their noon meeting and the meeting at the end of the day, which can easily be accomplished on a Zoom. So, it's like, why do you, you know, it's, it's rough. And all these companies just lost so much money, you know, for the most part for almost two years, they have to recoup it. So there's going to be the force them to go back people who are like real pissed. And then there's going to be like the other side where the, there is no go back. And it's, uh, I think it was, that's, that's so true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be weird because I think this was going this way, but this just like hit the accelerator. You hit it on the head because, you know, companies have been nickeling and diming these, uh, you know, these processes where they can, you know, weed out a little bit here, a little bit there. But there's no reason for that real estate footprint. They've just been justifying it for a long time. But at the same time, we say that, you know, you get rid of jobs here and that, that kind of thing. But a liquid workforce, you know, or a larger, you know, pool of candidates to pull from in a remote situation, pretty fucking ideal, especially for creatives and things like that. So, there's, it's, you know, but like you said, Johnny, you know, every day that's outside, you know, sweeping up and that kind of stuff is going to lose his job. And we're requiring them to have the income to survive way above even that. So there is, we've got a, I don't know, how do we solve that issue on this show? Can we do that in the last couple minutes? I don't think so, minutes? but I think it's shifting and the, and the worst thing people could do is fight against it. Um, you know, when I was in the record business in the late nineties, early two thousands is, is when music went online and, uh, the corporations were fighting against it tooth and nail. And I worked for, uh, a, I worked for a chain of record stores and as in worked for a record company kind of simultaneously, and they were spending all their money to fight LimeWire and Napster millions upon millions of dollars. And, and yet these old white suit executives that knew nothing about kids and like people are going to want a CD forever. And we're like a thousand songs in my pocket. I don't know. It sounds pretty good to me. All my shit scratched up. I got to buy the same Wu-Tang CD 400 times in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and we're like, I don't know. It sounds pretty good. And then they fought it, fought it, fought it, fought it. Instead of spending the money in innovation and getting out ahead of it. And then boom, Apple swooped in and put it online first. And all the, you know, all the brick and mortar stores went out of business. Record companies folded. They all had to merge together and like try to figure out how they're going to monetize this now. Instead of like controlling it or being part of the evolution, they fought it and then they got fucked. And TV's happening like that now too. You know, cable fought and fought. Blockbuster, Netflix, Netflix right. and all these other ones. Yeah, no, you're right. The the one thing that comes to mind when uh, when you brought this up was was uh, what is it? Dirk Diggler. What was the the movie um, with Mark Wahlberg? Uh, it's Studio Boogie Nights. Nights, not Studio Boogie yeah. Nights. When when Burt Reynolds is trying to hold on to the film aspect of porn and he's like, and everybody wants him to go to VHS and he's freaking out and then trying to hold on to his old reel-to-reels. Yeah, and they, uh, the porn industry selected VHS over beta and that killed beta. Um, and they decided not to go to Laserdisc because they thought the, the uh, it was too high definition and some of their stars wouldn't look good. 
that good on screen. So that killed me. <laughs> I, I shouldn't laugh at that, but there's some things yeah. in high def that are just but not Porn is like cool. changed the game a lot of different ways throughout the years and, and how entertainment's gone, you know. Yeah, I don't kink shame. I don't job shame. I think that if it's if it is what you want to do with your life, if if it's your if it's your calling, fuck yeah, go do it. You know, rock on. But I like the fact that they went with you know, there's things like OnlyFans now and stuff like that, so that you know people aren't being quote unquote taken advantage of any worse than they were or whatever it might be. Right. That's that's exactly right. You know, adapt and overcome. Yeah. And that's that's gone to a lot of different things like OnlyFans and, and Patreon and that kind of stuff. Went from like more adult stuff to you now yoga instructors and personal trainers and chefs. And, you know, I read something during the pandemic about a chef from Olive Garden from Minnesota. who's a kind of good looking dude. Got laid off and like just decided he's going to do an OnlyFans for a joke. And he's like, I'm the hot chef. Started making seventy five thousand dollars a month. Holy shit. Yeah, like ridiculous amount of money. Like just caught on Reddit did a thing about it or. You know, all these things just catch fire and then he's just making a shitload of money. But if I did an OnlyFans, it, it would be the saddest occasion. Somebody for everybody. That's the thing. Be, it would be like my mom, my cousin, <laughs> and like what other person? No, not a porn one. Like, uh, you know, just a guy standing there doing right marketing. It's like it, 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 it works because there's an audience for everybody. I've, I've found that. And, you know, just like your podcast, you know, it's like same fans there. As you grow, like they'll pay, and just like online personal trainers, they get a few. They start a podcast. Like once they're, it grows, it grows, it grows, and then a little something extra, like they'll pay, and they'd rather pay you five bucks a month because they get to know you, and you know, and like, then paying like another Netflix type company or whatever. I, th- I think because it's the personal interaction on these, I think that separates it. Just like porn, it's like anybody could buy for free, but there's an interaction with these people. Anybody could watch you know, anything, but if they now get to interact and like, you know, they're a fan of yours and you're sending a message back and there's dialogue, like that's worth money to a lot of people. What I love about this, uh, this whole endeavor with, with podcasting is that it's a community in itself. And then on top of that, it's, it's creators at, you know, at a raw level, you know, well, you understand, I mean, reality TV, this is, it's a, it's a, it's a passion. It's something that you're putting together as art and you're just hoping you're, you're hedging your bets on yourself in these scenarios. And I feel like the ones that are successful are the ones that are creating from a place of passion and not from a, a place of, you know, trying to fill a gap or just coming up with some garbage or hi, this is blah, blah, blah. And you've reached the whatever podcast, right. you know, nobody's, Nobody's going to latch on to that. Yeah, I get calls all the time. People want to do podcasts and it's exactly what you said. They're like, what can I do that's popular? Like, can I do a cooking one or can I do this or could I do that? And it's like, if you don't have your thing already, like it's going to be tough. And I, I tell the fighters that come off the ultimate fighter in these shows, like you should start your own podcast. You have fans, millions of people have been watching you um, and then you kind of disappear and then you start fighting in the UFC or for a different organization and then they don't get to see you that much. And I'm like, people... You know, you'll get to see if they're interested. You know, we have a, a dynamic group of guys that have all these crazy stories and, you know, you don't need a lot of money or a lot of debt. Just get in there, tell your story and, and see if people will follow you. Hey, academics, have you endured life's tragedies, trials and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com. And tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now, back to class. 
didn't even get a chance to talk about this, but you brought up something. You have a you have a company as well. You're the founder and owner of uh, Max Glow Media MMA, right? Because this kind of falls in that wheelhouse. Exactly, and that's something that I started um, during the pandemic as well. I've been working with different athletes um, for years, and after the show and stuff, they have a hard time um, marketing themselves. And you know, fighters are just like artists. And it takes so much dedication and brain power and, and mm. you're going in one direction that it's hard to handle like maybe the business side. Some can, some can't. Um, but to get your media done and get your YouTube page up and going and, you know, figure out ways to build your fan base and get merchandise and, and do all these things is something that's been lacking. Um, they all have a manager um, and the managers are really great, at least the ones that I work with, like getting you fights getting you to the next organization, organizing your contracts, you know, getting you the most money for that. But it's hard to do the other side, the marketing um, outside of the cage, outside, you know, of, of the sport money. And uh, I have some friends that were doing OnlyFans at the beginning of the pandemic and they were doing really bad. They kept asking me to help them. And I'm like, I'm not going to film that. Like, you don't, you don't need me to. <laughs> and just, and like I started looking at their pages and I just saw it was a marketing issue, not a content issue so much as, they don't know what they're doing and, and they would market themselves in the same place every day. And I'm like, if you're going to sell vacuum cleaners, you don't walk up and down the same street every day. Like you're going on a dating site in Las Vegas or just only on your Instagram. That's the only two places you're marketing yourself. You're not going to, you know, get more. And like, that's when I started thinking about the target marketing and, and how to find different niches for people. And it, it led to the fighters and I'm trying to kind of grow that now and just help them out. Well, see, I like that. It, it it seems to have like uh, two different scenarios here. One, it's a company, but two, it almost it, it almost acts as a way to help people that come from different backgrounds that have worked their entire lives to create their art and be able to actually capitalize on it without being taken advantage of. It's I mean, for me, it would be the same as putting together a, um, you know, a group of people that could help someone hone their own personal, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a life coach, if you will, but almost like a, a athlete coach that brings you into the marketing aspect, the business world side. Right. And it's, it's not just athletes that I like to help, you know, it's like, um, one of my best friends from college is a phenomenal magician trying to help him. I have a friend from back home. That's a great artist. I'm trying to help her. Um, I have all these filmmaker friends that, that are doing all different things. So, you know, what, what I would like to do, my dream would be to have a small piece of all these different things and able to just kind of work within the same system of marketing and promotion and, and do all these things, but to help them, you know, not have to worry about getting under a big umbrella, joining a, you know, a big, you know, union or signing away their life not understanding what they put it in exactly like you know at the end of the day it takes a lot of big stuff to get down to your core fan base and you know if you're putting a commercial on tv for 25 million dollars and it, it runs forever and by the time you get all, all the way down to the people who actually care it's not that big but with the internet and targeting and seeing who likes what and and you, you could find your fan base like pretty quickly and it doesn't take that many fans to give you 10 bucks a month to like, you know, carve out a really good living, but to make that money selling records or being a TV star or something like that, which is a almost impossible, but B you got to make, yeah, 10 that's a 0.0001% chance of that. So 
this is we've seen this over the years, the predatory things that have happened over the years with athletes not understanding certain things when they come in or not even predatory because uh, because I can I can speak to this um, when you first start to get money and you're not from a background that of gives you the skill set to be fiscally responsible or even understand what a credit score is, for God's sakes. How are you going to carve out an entire business structure out of all these different mediums that'll, you know, capitalize off of your capabilities or your art? I mean, to me, it looks like you're doing, you're giving back to what's been taking care of you for so many years. Right. And these big companies aren't all evil. Um, and no, of course not. So say, you know, say the UFC, for instance, or a record company, they take, there's so many fighters you never heard of or artists you never heard of that they take a flyer on them and they, and they pay them for either a fight and they look terrible or records that, you know, there's a billion records that never got released and the company's got to eat all that money. So when you're an unknown artist or a, a starting out fighter, you know, they, they can't pay you tons and tons of money because there's no return on that yet. Um, it's when you get there and, and, and you go up and, and you grow, it's when the companies have to start being like, okay, like we took a chance on you, you took a chance on us. Now we have to do what's right. But, you know, those guys at the beginning of the day, you know, right, fighting at 3.30 in an empty arena, it's not even on TV yet. You know, they're, 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 the companies are losing money by flying that guy in his camp there and paying for all his medicals. And Totally, totally agree with you. There's a price to do this business. Right. And albums the same way. I'm going to give you studio time and record your album and do the cover art. You know, back in the day, it was physical copies and it had to be shipped out. And if that shit flops, you know, these companies are out so much money. So they got to, you know, they have to kind of take advantage of the successful ones to pay for all the other ones to, to keep the machine running. But now a lot of that's just getting cut down where you could you could do your own thing as well. You know, if, if the fighting gives you this platform, you might not be getting paid that great for the actual fighting part, but now you have a platform and you could use it for, you know, anything, whether it's podcast, selling your t-shirts, doing online stuff, starting your own TV shows. Like you could, you could do anything now and, you know, with the right team and the right effort, you know, I think it could probably be successful at some level. You know, if you're doing it from a place where you you're passionate about it or if it's that if it's that particular chord, if it's if it's plucking that one, you're going to you're going to make it work. It's going to happen. It's just how it uh, breaks down. Um, so if any of the guys are out there listening uh, to the podcast, you definitely want to check out Max Glow MMA. I mean, that's that sounds like the way to go in order to uh, get yourself marketed. Well, Um, I mean. You don't know it any better than anybody else. You've been producing for him for how long? Yeah, about 18 years I've been working with the UFC and, and some of my best friends in the world are fighters and all different parts of this game. And uh, I see the hard work and the dedication and, you know, I want to help wherever I can. And, you know, selfishly, I just love being a part of this business. It, it's fun. Uh, you know, it, it it's exciting going to the fights and seeing my friends succeed and, and seeing them, you know, start really small and become champions and and, you know, follow that whole trajectory and then there's the guys that don't make it and i would like to help them whether it's a gym or another business or whatever they're doing mm. you know set themselves up for the next move and uh, not kind of that you know fighter mentality is i could fight forever and i could just train a little harder i can work a little harder and i can get a little better uh, and that's true but sometimes opportunities dry up or you get hurt or you age out of it you know there's a there's a window mm-hmm. and i'd like to anytime i can just help my friends or anybody in any of these businesses you know, set themselves up and, and knowledge that I have and advice, like 
that's always free and I'll talk to anybody forever. And then if there's some way that I could help and we come to a, a mutual, you know, agreement, I'm all for it. And I also don't like to do anything that's like exclusive. If I could work out a deal with somebody and get them a, a TV show or a sponsor or something like that, then we could work out an individual deal. But I'd never be like, no, you can't go work with these other people or get money over here or, or sign this other deal because, you know. I think that's bullshit when people try to lock somebody down and then become their only source of income. Non-competes, all sorts of stuff. That's that's not fair. Yeah. It really isn't. Because you're monopolizing no. somebody's, you know, their mind, their their entire freedom right. to be able to create. I agree with you on that. If I'm not your only client, you know, if you're not my only client, then I can't give you 100% of my time. So why should you give me 100% back, you know? If I have 100 or 200 clients or- Slow down, man. You're making sense. Yeah. Don't be making sense. That might, that might make this a good place to go check out. <laughs> I'm very honest and, and, and I try my best and some stuff works and some stuff doesn't and I'm growing and learning all the time. So um, I don't have all the answers and I try to partner with people that understand that and then we can figure these things out together and, you know, patient on both ends and, and trying new things is this, you know, everything's evolving and growing and monetizing all these different social medias and everything. Changes. It's confusing, man. It's super confusing. There's so many analytics, so many different impressions here and this there. And I, I can't even begin to look at it. I just treat this show like art and let, let it just be what it is because there's no way I could wrap my head it around changes it. changes every day. We need guys like this. You know, we need guys like you doing these kind of things. I was just talking to somebody today about shorts on uh, YouTube or my, my barber today. Cause he's like, have you noticed that there's, you know, a plunge in, you know, views here. And I'm like, I was like, well, of all my, few subscribers not really i said but now there's shorts and they're they're trying to do this big push for tiktok-esque type videos that are under 50 seconds same frame set so that's where all that traffic's being driven now and you're right changes every fucking 10 yeah. minutes and they just they decide who sees what and how the algorithms work and if you're not doing this and you know and instagram has different rules than twitter than youtube and you know, you do something wrong or they don't like and they ban you, but they might not even tell you that you're banned. And then I got people that I search and their name doesn't even come up anymore, but they still have a page and they're like, what happened there? And it's it's the Wild West, man. It is literally the Wild West. It it's it's ridiculous. It so, Gary, I appreciate you coming on today, man. This has been super cool no talking problem. with you. Um, I, I, I want to see great things for Max Glow MMA and definitely for uh, Not Your Anus. I I am I want the first uh, copy of whatever it ends up being because I, I think that it is uh it's a super cool concept and I appreciate you creating it. Yeah, thank you. That's you know, I'm gonna make that whether it makes money or not, and it, whether it becomes or something like that. It's just there you go. It, it's something I think is needed, and you know I, I have a couple of friends with young kids that have already said like I would love to see more things like this, and you know it's. It, it's something that's gonna make I'm gonna enjoy. Yeah, you know, I, I got to do something changing. that I like. If it ends up making me money, great. But that's something I'm gonna enjoy writing, and I'm working with some good friends on it. So something like that, if it breaks even, would be a win. If it doesn't, still a win. And uh, you know, I think uh, you got the exclusive right here. Not Uranus, dude. I I know that it's gonna be a badass cartoon on like Hulu and everything else, and that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, that's what I see happen. I hope so. You know, I just want people to try to do it. You know, if if you have stuff sitting on an old computer or a car in the garage or something you've been trying to paint or, or whatever, you know, there, there's time, you know, we're all busy and we didn't need the, 
pandemic, you know, now I'm trying to figure out how that time in the real normal world is working for me, but there's time to, to do that. And I think it's, it helps. It's, it's for the mental health. It's for overall well-being. You have to, you have to take those, your mindful moments, like we were saying earlier, you know, giving to other people when you're a creator, but you got to provide yourself with your own mindful moments. And if you can't meditate or you don't know how and things like that, create, because you are isolating yourself to one simple thing that you're doing and you're creating it from a point of love because that's what art is. That's why it's, that's why art resonates with us. When we get out there and we look at, you know, the Mona Lisa isn't beautiful. Hell no, it's stupid. It looks like the cover of a fucking, like a, a box of rice or something. Like there's nothing special about it. Right. But yeah. you can bet the person that was painting it was special. And whatever they put into it, that's what resonates. That's why you stare at it. You stare at it because it came from that place, not because of what it looks like. So if you're creating your art, you create this show, people are going to come fucking look at it. Yeah. They're going to want to see it. I agree. I think, you know, if you have a little time and you do something that you love, uh, there's going to be people that appreciate it, whether it's at a huge level or a small level, or maybe you don't even need the appreciation, but that's going to help you in other aspects of your life. Like you said, you know, mental health is, is a huge thing and people want to medicate a lot and there's definitely need for that and i'm no expert but me personally um you know i've always had little things you know i, I don't want to say i have like major mental health issues but i i have some everybody does and it's okay to say it that's the thing you know i will say this it is okay don't minimalize your mental health at the risk of what other people's feelings are or other situations. Because what people forget is the small issue to one person can be the end of the world for somebody else. It's all based on perspective. That's true. So respect your mental health, man. You deserve Uh, it. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely agree with that. And and I didn't want to minimize it. I just, you know, it's it's like a hot. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't lecturing. No, 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 but no, I, I I do think about how to talk about these things all the time because a lot of people it's a hot button issue, so they're using them, you know, for sympathy or for different reasons too. So I don't want to say like I'm really struggling every day and I'm, I'm getting by it, you know, and like because people are struggling way worse than I am. But for the problems that I have, like I feel the best when I'm painting or drawing or even hit the boxing bag and I'm getting outside of like the stresses of the day and like figuring out how to turn that off just for a little bit and, and be present in the moment and and not be on this phone and thinking about, oh shit, did I miss a call? And there were times where I would like take super quick showers because I didn't want to be in the shower for eight minutes because like a client or somebody might call. And I was like, what is that? You know, yeah. why do we do this? Yeah, and that shit messed me up. That's when I started like, you know, I would either, I go one way or the other, I get fat and I just eat all the time. It's like stress eat or like, I don't eat at all. And then like, mm-hmm. and I'm not healthy that way. And I don't, I'm not sleeping well. And then and all that just, it, it rolls down and it's like, it's really bad. So feed in the need, you got to feed the need. And, and that's what we do. We, we try to plug those holes that exist with the wrong things. Right. It, it, the, the need to eat is needs to be satiated from a different direction. Right. Why is it that you are hungry is the question that has to be asked. And it can be one of many things, depending on how the human mind is working at that given time. Hell, it could be the time you were pushed down when you were five. That's why you're eating today. Nobody fucking knows. Nobody knows. There's a lot of good uses for medication. And, and, but I think there is again, as not an expert, I think, you should try other things before because every doctor I've ever seen was like, boom, this is what you need. Can't sleep. Here's Ambien. Oh, you're, you're having trouble focusing. Yeah. Here's Adderall or 
Ritalin or like just boom, try these. And then, oh, I, oh, you know, that's making you too anxious. Well, here's a Xanax to calm you down because the Adderall had you stacked up all day. And, you know, and it's like, wait a second. Can you just put me back to normal? You handed me Adderall and a Xanax. Isn't that like canceling it out? Yeah, it's like this all day. <laughs> like going and then they, they crash you down to sleep and then you get these pills and fucking out of your mind. And like some people need different things for sure. But I would say like try at least to figure out some other things before, whether it's natural remedies, meditation, painting, art, writing, cycling. I agree to get that energy, you know, my, my own doctor, she, she pointed out something or she framed it in a manner where it made a lot of sense to me. And that was that medication is just a tool with which to slow down and get the opportunity to make the meaningful changes needed that caused you to be in the situation to begin with. That makes sense. So it's kind of like sticking a stick in the spokes, you know, long enough for you to get, you know, an idea of what's going on and then you can pull that out and, and, you know, ride on your way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's a good way of looking at it because, you know, depending on how good your doctor is or their motivations or big pharma and all that, it's, you know, a lot of times they're looking to create lifelong customers, not slow it down, fix it and move on. It's, it's what's kept the Eastern culture just completely out of everything in the U.S. You know, we've we've missed out on so many yeah. different things that are congruent to what we were already doing anyway. But it's been, you know put into a corner yeah. like you know the Blair Witch Project has to look you know off to the side that's eastern culture that's you know whatever is not re this particular religion but at the end of the day man meditation art all those types of things are so good for the the whole human yeah. experience it could be anything you know everybody's got different stuff they're into it's just work family like all these things that stress you out you got to have an outlet every now and then if it's 10 minutes at the end of the day where you do something or you know something you know hopefully you could get more than that or figure out something besides just like medicating to get through it because you know even you know not to get too political but the use of marijuana for all these years was looked at as the worst possible thing we're an advocate here we're an added advocate you know, is that better than ambient for sleeping like from in most cases probably you're taking this drug that make make you sleepwalk and then you're you know, addicted to it and like, you know, try a little bit of reefer at the end of the night and like people forever were like, oh, it's drugs, you know, just now. Uh, is it We like were so manipulated on all these things. Uh, it falls right into the same Eastern bucket because, you know, um, I had somebody on, we just released a show this week and it was about 5-MeO-DMT. Um, a friend of mine, Lucas, he had done it for the first time. And all of the things that are congruent with that experience are the same ones that are over longer periods of time in meditation with monks or cardinals in the Catholic church that do those long-term prayers where they're away. They're all reporting the same types of feelings that you get from cybacillin, DMT, marijuana, all those things. It's, we have to embrace plant medicine. I like that you, that you uh, recognize that because more and more people need to do that. We got to stop with the synthetic Absolutely. shit. I mean, I've seen fighters forever and, and people in all kinds of sports and, mm. you know, later on in life and, and they have the aches and pains and a doctor will give them Oxycontin before letting them smoke weed. Fuck man. That's too. That's a prime example. You know, you know, people on, on both sides, you know, support the military in different ways and everything like that. But for years, like it was suppressed, the, you know, things that can really help the PTSD. And it's like, 
You're going to send guys over there to risk their life. They're going to come back with issues and they're not even going to allow them to use the, the things that will help them the most because of political bullshit. Right. Or they might pop hot on a piss test, yeah. you know, to go in and get some other medication that they normally need because they smoke some weed. Right. You know, which, by the way, who the hell ever went out and tried to F up the world because they were stoned? Zero. To Nobody. You know. Zero. It's never happened in the history of anything. The only thing you're going to fuck up is a bag of Funyuns. I was just going to say Doritos and the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and now the one of the cool things is the, the VA, I think they, they I saw the other day, they are working on, uh, they're utilizing cybacillin, they're utilizing MDMA, and they're utilizing LSD and things like that in trials for PTSD and things like that. You know, police forces and, and all these others, they, they all these people need these types of treatments. You know, the, the fear is to go down to South America and have this crazy experience and not know what you're getting into, but they're doing the right things and studying this for the last 40 years. And, you know, modern science got involved and was able to extract these things and make it safe. And you wouldn't have to go somewhere dangerous to have that experience. And, and there was ways that they have figured it out, you know, like they do with every other chemical that they're, you know, pumping into us, then it would be a different thing. And it wouldn't be scary, you know, like I'm probably not going to go do that. But if it was experience I could get here, there was science and it was, it was not looked, you know, down upon. I would, I would this is where we branch off into Joe's uh, arena where we could say why all of these things were suppressed. You know, we could go to Joe Rogan, which is honestly, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, to, to suppress the ability to free your mind in certain aspects and then to utilize it behind closed doors for the same reasons, that kind of raises some red flags. Yeah. I mean, these tribes, they don't stay in remote areas, not fucking with everybody else and watching us fly around like crazy ass ants in an ant farm and saying, no, nah, we don't plan on leaving. They're doing it because they don't they know we're insane. They're using their plant medicine. They're like, what's the point in all that? We could stay here and hang out as family members and not have to take any of this on. So I don't have diarrhea because I didn't check my fucking phone for the last three emails. Yeah. You don't get that in the tribe. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it sucks. You know, I, I was in Bali years ago. One of my friends from college who's Swedish. And I was talking to people there. And it was right when like iPads and stuff were starting to get really popular. And they were, they were noticing a shift in the kids and stuff there because you never knew what you didn't know. So they were perfectly happy and in these villages and playing soccer and didn't have sneakers, just flip-flops and the most beautiful place on the planet that all rich people from America save up and go and just want to experience this. And all, you know, people end up living there and becoming yogis and like all this like shit just to like be a part of that. And like now these kids are starting to be like, what's that? Why don't I have that? There's Wi-Fi hotspots everywhere and they're, they're starting to see all this shit. And like, all we want to do is go over to a place like that in paradise fuck all this. And they're over there like looking and now they see all the shit they don't have and they're thinking in a different way. And it's like, it sucks. It's a disease, man. It's, it is a disease. It's cancer. Humanity is a cancer within itself because we prey upon ourselves. That's no different than any other cancer. Isn't that the, the, the definition of it? it's like a cell eating a cell from within itself or whatever it is. And, and that's what we're doing. We're eating each other up and we're not, uh, dude, those poor kids that, that we're talking about actually are, we're winning and got that t it got their perspective changed they didn't nothing but their perspective changed because nobody needs internet yeah nobody no the food's great the culture's great they're growing everything locally the, the, everyone's happy you know they're not everyone's outside on a nice night and they're they're talking and, and like it's it's we're, we're sitting there and, and you know my friend is a, a 
a director in movies in Europe and he's very much has the same lifestyle as me. And, you know, we're just sitting there, you know, drinking a little turmeric drink in the morning and watching the kids. And like, it was, it was like, you felt high, almost like a different like experience. And you're just like, yeah, the, it was the, it's the nature flying home was depressing as shit, you know? <laughs> like okay and as soon as you get the wi-fi in the plane it's like boom 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 i gotta answer this i got a meeting in two days i gotta call this guy this guy's pissed because he went one day without hearing from me when he ducks me for three weeks when i need something and you know you're getting all pissed off and you're like oh you know it's like two two days of- right back to the stomach cramps exactly you know two days on black beach sipping a juice that was 12 cents you know and i'm drinking a nine dollar fucking pop on the airplane you know to to get home and get my ass kicked again for the next nine months. Isn't, isn't that crazy how, because I've been all over the world too, and you get into areas that are more remote, like you're saying, and stuff like that. And why is it that 12 cents goes so much further in other areas? What? How did how did the humans fuck that up? Like, <laughs> we don't need, you know. And, and it can literally be the same product. It yeah. could be a bottle of Coke. For twelve cents and a bottle of Coke for twelve dollars. I've lived in Tokyo. It's fucking scary. Yeah, the amounts that things come out costing. Yeah, but you know, in Tokyo, there's a trillion dollars of infrastructure and go go go, and they're the only people that work more than us. You know, and fuck sixty <sighs> seventy hours a week, and then you know, even when we work in Europe and in Brazil and places like that, and they, they take a two hour lunch, and you're getting all pissed off because oh, these people need to call me back, and they're at a cafe somewhere sipping their fucking Tea with they should be. Friends. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, they got the life. Like, I have this deadline and I got my boss from LA. Like, why isn't this done yet? And I'm like, well, these guys are at the fucking bar right now in the middle of the day, you know? And I there's, wish I was Well, you know, <laughs> there's some credibility to the, you know, the amount of the complaint that companies take or monopolize more of an employee's time than they are paying them for. Yeah. Kind of. And they're doing it simply out of manipulating your need to impress or your need to be the the one that is referred to as the go-to person. Right. All all just false carrots because they're not paying you more the whole time. And it just goes up the ladder. You know, my boss is answering to his guy and he's working his fucking balls off 100 hours a week because he's trying to, you know, and then he's making me do the same. And then I got assistants and people that work for me and they're at home and I'm calling them. And they're at dinner with their family on a you know Friday night because this guy's calling me when I'm at dinner on a Friday night, and then you know Saturday comes. Shit and, rolls downhill. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm supposed to go hiking with my you know friend or girl at the time, and like no, I got to fucking stay in, and then they're pissed, and you know, and then I'm making somebody else stay in on a Saturday because all of a sudden there's this deadline that are arbitrary or based on making a few more dollars for someone way up there that I'll never see, or but everybody's doing it, so it's like you have to to keep up or you you're done. So that's funny everybody's doing it so you have to as well when are we gonna realize that we don't have to have to is a definition that's being provided to us it's and i'm not saying abandon life and go be that dude that's you know selling my ties in you know some beach remote in mexico or whatever there's something to be said about that too something to be said about that too but I don't know. I think uh, I think we've we've probably touched everything that uh, we could possibly touch, and I I could keep talking to you forever, man. I feel like I've known you known you for years. I'm happy to come on um, again, and when I have more stuff going, you know, this, this, I really enjoyed this. You're always welcome. I could talk. For always and, welcome. You know, we will touch on a million things. I'm all over the place for sure. Hundred percent. 
So again, it's, so anybody listening out there, you can go check out um, what is it? Uh, Max Glow MMA uh, for your representation for different affiliate marketing and things like that. Um, and then we're all going to wait for the uh, not Uranus. That's what I want to see. I'm building a website and it's going to just, I'll, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to ask for any crowdfunding or anything. I just want a place for people to go and they can like check the progress and maybe build a little interest for it and kind of be a part of it and, and get some input from people as we go to, I think would be pretty cool. And a lot of people are doing that on, on different Patreons and stuff, but I, this, I don't think, you know, I want more input, more people to get involved and I don't want to put it behind any sort of payroll on this one. So I don't want to get paid, but I'd love to, I'd love to throw in some lines in here. This is, this yeah. looks super cool. I mean, it, it, you got my support. That's the best. You know, I'm, I'm, I believe in my own abilities and I think I'm a good writer and I think I'm talented and I'm funny, but you know, just meeting you, like I'm thinking of all different ways that we could work together within an hour or two hours, whatever it's been. And that's the best, you know, it's, it's, if Isn't I it? in, input from a hundred people is always going to be better than me just trying to figure it out myself. And if it's one line or one thing that gets me thinking this way and I might be, that's a terrible idea, but what if we do this? And then they're like, Oh shit, that's great. And then all of a sudden it's not even anywhere close to where it started, but you have a, a great concept or idea. And that's the way the best things work in my opinion. You know, absolutely, man. I love, I love when people come together and you get to mix up all the different perspectives. Cause that's where the best shit comes from. Yeah. That's the whole point of this thing is all different types of people coming with 100%. different perspectives. So like to create it all on my own, it's, you know, it would be, it would be counterproductive and kind of hypocritical in my you know, opinion. Yeah. To do a, story about <laughs> diversity <laughs> only done by yourself would be kind of uh, ironic. Yeah. And I hate it when like the middle-aged white guy is the diversity guy and there's no diversity <sighs> in the shit that he's trying to do ever. So I'm not going to make this thing and like tell all these perspectives from all these different people, but it's all my perspective because that doesn't make any fucking sense. And it would be lame if I did it that way. So, you know, yeah, it'd be kind so, of narcissistic too. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want this to be, you know, all inclusive. So I can't, you know, I see it all the time. I get these guys, corporate guys, they have one vision. Like, this is what I want it to be. And we want it to be diverse. I'm like, can't be diverse. It's only your idea. It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be like, it's, it's a plant. It grows. It, it evolves over time. It takes on new, you know, faces and different, you know, perspectives. It has to, if it doesn't, then it's, it's worthless. It's, it's a rock. I agree. Yeah, that's why TV shows got a room full of writers, and when it's getting stale, they'll bring in new guys and, and from different perspectives. And Saturday Night Live's always been uh, great. With but then Fonzie's jumping the fucking shark, and everything's over. It, it, they all jump the shark. Whether <laughs> you know the Sopranos, they jump in, they can't figure it out. And they're like, oh, it's just gonna end right now. Or then it's like, you know, lost when it's like over a bad meal. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like that was the that was one of the hardest things to watch. Yeah, like what happened there? And like I don't know if you watched Lost, but it was the same thing. It's definitely not purgatory. Yes. Fire all the writers, new one, it's canceled. We're back. Oh shit, we gotta end it once. Yeah, it was purgatory. Like, ah oh, fuck. <laughs> I remember just sitting there like oh, it's part of me. See, I have this love for ultimate failures. Like sometimes it's just it's beautiful to watch them sometimes or when somebody gets people hyped up about something and then purposely pulls the rug out at the yeah. end just because it's funny and stupid. I kind of am a fan of that too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, against that sometimes. It's, <laughs> what's that? I'm not against that. That's good. If you do, if there's an art to that, that I do appreciate. There is, there is. Yeah. You can even do it without pissing them off if you do it correctly. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. 
you know, but yeah, you, even if you do piss them off, like people will talk about that more than if you don't most of the time. Well, yeah. So like, if you want to hammer on the show, bring it on, man. You're just going to make people talk about it. Yep. For sure. All right, man. Well, thanks so much, Gary. Nope. Uh, Thank you. I will, I will definitely be having you back on. Remember, academics, be cool and keep learning. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at tragedy underscore academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class, and remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care, they have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees 
But I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.